0: Hello, listeners. I'm Mohan Gill, and welcome to my first podcast episode. This will be the first edition to my new history series in which I'll break down significant events that change the course of history and the way we see the world today. In this episode, I'm analyzing the American Revolution and its causes, consequences, changes, continuity, and the perspective of the war as seen through the eyes of the British and the colonists. This is quite the event to examine as it has such rich content and perspective that one would have to spend their entire life to thoroughly understand what the American Revolution was and what it did. This episode will cover the main points of the five categories and will show the American Revolution in condensed form. So sit back, grab a snack, get comfortable, and please enjoy this segment. In the first section, I'll be discussing causes of the American Revolution. I'll start from indirect causes and work my way up to direct causes. And really, the indirect causes cause the direct causes. See the pun there? So it all started with the Seven Years' War. This this was, this was is the starting of the indirect causes. So the Seven Years' War left high debt on the British. And to help pay these taxes, or to help pay this debt, Taxes were imposed on the colonists. The colonists were people of the thirteen colonies, and the British helped defend these people throughout the war's duration. Colonists did not want to pay these taxes because they believed that the British were wasting money. And they believed they were wasting money because even after the war they were starting to defend the colonists, and there was really no point of that defense. So as a result, because of these taxes, the colonists decided to boycott British goods and started to not buy them. Some of these taxes imposed included the 1764 Sugar Act, which taxed all imported goods such as sugar and molasses, the 1765 Stamp Act, which put tax on all legal documents and these legal documents were stamped at a cost ranging from one cent to several dollars. The 1767 Townsend Act placed tax on glass, tea, silk, paper, paint, and lead. The 1764 Currency Act took control of all colonial currency systems and prohibited the issue of new bills and the reissue of existing bills. The 1765 Quartering Act required colonies to house British soldiers in barracks provided by them. The seventeen sixty six Declaratory Act stated that British that the British Parliament's taxing authority was the same in America as in Great Britain. Now these created quite the tension, but did not directly affect the war. Yes, they did it indirectly and very subtly. Another indirect cause was Enlightenment thinkers. Enlightenment thinkers were people in the Age of Enlightenment, and these thinkers were people who valued reason, science, religious tolerance, and natural rights. These natural rights included life, liberty, and property. These thinkers used these values to find flaws in the British rule and system and help colonists rally up to take control of what was going to be America. The fact that the colonists did not hold the rights that Enlightenment thinkers believed in caused them to really fight against the British. So now I'll be moving on to the direct causes. There were two main events that really sparked the tension and brought it to a high level. In 1770, British soldiers opened fire on a mob that was protesting these taxes explained in the indirect causes section and ended up killing five men and this was known as the Boston Massacre. In 1773, colonists dressed as Mohawk Indians boarded British supply ships and dumped 342 chests of tea into the Boston Tea Harbor or Boston Harbor and sorry, this was known as the Boston Tea Party. Now, these two events led to the creation of the Intolerable Acts and these were designed to regain control of Massachusetts. And this act forbade public meetings and stationed one British soldiers for every four Bostonians, Bostonians, sorry. This closed Boston's ports in retaliation of the Boston Tea Party. This allowed the quartering of British soldiers in private American homes, which, which is a quartering act included in here. And exempting British officials from having to stand trial in America. It also limits the power of colonial assemblies while increasing the powers of royal appointees. So the act along with the Declaration of Rights on September 1744 led to the eventual beginning of the war. The the Declaration of Rights was issued by the first Continental Congress and was rejected by the British government. What was in the Declaration of Rights was the basic rights that American citizens should get. The first Continental Congress criticized taxation without representation and issued the Declaration of Rights, which stated that every citizen was entitled to including life, liberty, property, assembly, and trial by jury. And some of these rights came from Enlightenment thinkers. The leaders of the First Continental Congress also demanded a boycott of all goods from England. This was to further increase the tension. The British did not agree with the declaration or the boycott and this really really sparked the revolution. And this is probably the largest cause of the American Revolution, even though there are many causes. The Second Continental Congress voted to form a Continental Army with George Washington as its commander-in-chief. And the Second Continental Congress was pretty much what was going to be the Congress while the American Revolution happened. The shot heard around the world was the first shot fire that started the American Revolution. This was the first battle, the first standoff, which started the American Revolution. This was a face-off between colonial troops and British soldiers on Lexington Green in Massachusetts. This situation occurred because there was a lot of excitement and tension, which got to a soldier's head, and he decided to fire the shot. This standoff started it all. So now, I believe this is all the causes. I will move on to the consequences section. So a few long-term consequences were the war caused a pivotal change in the power of America. So it basically redid the whole American power system. A new idea of democracy and government was introduced, and the monarchy system was abolished in America. The Americans learned to rule themselves without any aid or conflict from other countries, and assemble their own legislations. On July 4, 1776, the Continental Congress voted to adopt the Declaration of Independence, which is an important statement of principles of democracy and freedom. Again, after the war, the Declaration of Independence was issued. This was quite a consequence because it changed all the concepts and ideas of the British and brought in a new system. So slavery existed for hundreds of years even after the revolution and George Washington's presidency. George Washington became the first president of the United States after being unanimously elected by the members of the Congress in 1769. Also new laws were introduced and this showed that there was space that the British, or sorry, not the British, the B- British aren't even included in this right now, that the government could change laws. And this really showed that power. The most important economic long term consequence that took place was the end of mercantilism, which opened up new markets and trade relationships. African Americans were also able to receive and own land, which is not possible before the revolution. And the fact that they could own land now showed there was a bit more equality and really showed that America had changed as a nation. These are all long-term consequences. Now I'll move on to the short-term consequences. The colonists had taken control of America after winning the Battle of Yorktown with the help of the French. Well, it was a colonist, but then the government really took control. After the revolution, increased part of participation was participation was seen in politics and governance. This was sorry this was included in long term not short term another short term short term consequence was women's right and treatment. Women did not have right and treatment at, right after the of war but after fighting and really Advocating for their rights, they got them. Financial loss was a short term consequence as Britain had suffered quite an economic plunge during the war, as most of their trading, manufacturing, and economic activities were affected, and this led to a rejuvenation of the national debt, as taxes were the only way the British could start again. A tax was placed on whiskey after two years of Washington in office. And this caused a violent reaction from the society, which led to the whiskey whiskey rebellion. This was much like the Stamp Act, but on a much larger stage. Much or sorry, not much larger, much smaller stage. And this was after, and this was not colonists and British, but rather colonists and colonists. Not all citizens were given the rights written in the Declaration of Independence. This came after the government started to realize, and it took a bit of time, but it did come. Everybody got the rights. Slaves were granted freedom uh, that they were promised if they fought for the American cause. And the slaves might have been free, even though the slaves, some that were still slaves, might have been free if the British had won, as they were promised rights and freedom if they fought under the British rule in the Revolution. But this is not known because the British did not win. So what were some in unintended consequences? Economical problems were an accidental consequence of the revolution. Individuals who worked for the British government lost their jobs throughout the war and definitely lost their job after the revolution. The creation of an independent country, the United States, was completely, completely unintended. The colonists did not even know that they were going to take control of a whole new country. The British had formed this, but the country was not formed yet. The British had built a base for them. The sheer land the nation possessed meant that the nation's citizens could expand westward to set up new colonies, towns, and settlements without having to dramatically adjust to a different life or new ways. Many people who were inclined to Band and it obtained land and valuable resources did so and within a century the nation had started to touch the west coast of the continent. Because of such expansion, Indigenous people were also affected as settlement on the western coast had opened up along with creating governments hostile to their territorial claims. The Indigenous people were not a significant Factor to the colonials in the revolution, but rather the British. So it was really an unintended consequence. The post war Congress had no power to levy or collect taxes, oversee foreign or interstate commerce, or establish a federal judiciary. This was unintended as the Congress wanted power, and this proved them quite impotent. So they really did not get all the power they wanted, and this was unintended, and they wanted that power. So, what were some intended consequences? The Declaration of Independence was the most significant significant consequence of the revolution, as a colonial spoke for the rights displayed in the article, and it was a major cause of the American Revolution, as the British rejected to issue this declaration. The Americans started to create their own manufacturers because they no longer needed to rely those on those of the British. This was intended because the colonials wanted to become independent and did not want the British to have the upper hand on them, and in this case not any other country, have an upper hand on them. Political participation grew as more people obtained the right to vote and more common citizens started to play progressively important roles in local and state government. This presented the idea of equality seen in the Declaration of Rights. And in context of the time period, this was set in this was quite remarkable, excuse me. The next section I'm going to be discussing is change. Not all citizens were given the rights written in the Declaration of Independence, though most were, some weren't. Slaves were granted the freedom. They promised that they'd vote for the American and the British cause. But the British soldiers or British slaves would have to move to Britain to gain that freedom. Instead of passing, instead of, passing of land to the eldest son, now the new law stated that every son got equal land, and this helped level people socially. This was quite the idea back then. The Anglican Church broke off from English hierarchy and became the Episcopalian Church and were soon appointing their own American clergy. People also abandoned the practice of a state supported church. The monarchy system was abolished in America, or yes, the monarchy system was abolished in America. The idea of a non monarchical government was imposed and this came in effect right after the revolution. Property rights changed and Equality, under a certain degree, also changed. Only white men got that equality. Black, or sorry, not just black, indigenous, people of color did not get that equality, and so did women. American, America made sure that there would be no nobility again in the history of the nation. After the war, the Americans came to view each other as equal and concerning. This was in the 18th century. It was quite a shocking idea. As I said, only white men came to consider they were equal. So now I'm going to be moving on to the continuity section. Slavery persisted for almost a 100 years after the war. This was quite a shocker because it was said that slavery would be abolished. The line, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, only ended up applying to white men of society, and everybody else was treated as the same as before. again, I've already mentioned this, and only white men were leveled off. The man who wrote these words was trying to fight the government to keep the slaves the way they were, so it was really the white men were still in power. the whites were in power. The people who controlled the land before the wars war were the ones who ended up controlling. The land after the war. So, again, not too much change in that. Rich people still controlled the society and they were still above, even though it did not seem like that. The people in the government were rich people usually. There was not much change in thought process between the uh, colonists or the British. Loyalists were considered British even after the American Revolution and were forced to relocate to Canada or back to England because of the tension between the Americans and British. The taxation system continued to favor the rich as the government was not allowed to tax under the Articles of Confederation, and the rich owned and used their property free of expense. The men who signed the Declaration of Independence were men of property and wanted to keep it that way. The people of the government were linked to the Enlightenment thinkers and they were closely linked because the values of the Enlightenment thinkers carried on to the government's ideas. The colonists still realized that that they were different from the British in many ways. Women could not vote with white men while white men who did not hold enough property, which meant the government only focused on the 10 to 15 percent of people who actually fell into that voting class. Now I'm going to be moving on to historical perspective. First comes American perspective. The colonials did not consider themselves as part of the British Empire, and this was quite seen throughout the American Revolution and even after the war. And uh, they saw no point in paying taxes as they really did not need any protection after the seven years war. I already discussed this. To them, it was a waste of money. As I said, it was a waste of money. Colonists did not become aggressive until the Enlightenment thinkers helped rile them up to fight the British. The hope of the Colonials was to help eradicate taxes using a boycott system for all the British goods supplied to them. The Colonials wanted to claim the rights the first colonial congress put, uh, put ahead and decided to help the American cause. These were the rights seen in the Declaration of Independence. Some people wanted to fight to get rid of the taxation, and they believed if everyone could pitch in, the colonials could potentially become tax-free. The Quebec Act was seen as a precursor that the British wanted the French Canadians on their side in case war erupted. The fear of parliamentary supremacy made the Quebec Act, Quebec Act a substanti- substantial threat to the colonists and made them believe that the British were not afraid to restrict colonial governments and secure the, their possessions in North America. Now, the Quebec Act was really seen differently both ways by the British and the colonials. There was increased British control of religion and land distribution, were also legit, legitimate fears of this act. The colonials who went against the British became known as a patriot. The colonials that that felt they were being treated unreasonably and decided to make the switch to the patriot side. They were being taxed without any say or representation in the British system, and cries of liberty were often being heard throughout. The colonies after this idea had been introduced. The Patriots wanted freedom from the British rule. So I forgot to say this, but colonials had made the switch to the Patriot side. Through their hard work and determination, the Patriots decided that they could win it, and they ended up winning the American Revolution and had to lose almost everything for their rights. The Declaration of Rights, the Bill of Rights, and the Constitution of United States caused the French revolutionaries to lead a revolution in France as well. This occurred in 1789, so the colonials had just influenced another nation to lead up against the British. This helped spread the ideas of democracy and freedom. The New Republic was unsuccessful in understanding the limits of the Western expansion at the cost of native people's loss of freedom and land. The New Republic did not have any plans of abolishing slavery so now again the slavery concept like some people wanted to some people wanted it to be abolished and others didn't so it was quite the up and down so next comes a british perspective some british people agreed with these taxes while others did not agree with them we read articles in my class in social studies and we saw this in one document where a british British individual did not agree with these taxes and thought that it was unfair for only the colonials to be taxed. The British wanted to keep rule in North America so they could have a second location for their empire. They also wanted to keep economy dependent on England. They wanted the economy in North America to be dependent on England, so England was really an economic powerhouse. They had the numbers on their side but were not quite prepared to go to war almost back to back. And this was quite the fear for the British as they had soldiers that were fatigued from the last war and it was quite hard. Some people realized the fact that this taxation was not fair and even the British should be taxed as colonials were of British descent. British laws also said that Britain cannot be taxed by a parliament in which he's represented. So this, again, shows that some British did not agree with the fact that the colonials were being taxed and the Britons weren't. The Quebec Act was not meant as an attack towards the colonists, and the British believed they had misunderstood it. The act, through the perspective of the British was an act that would help secure the allegiance of British-Canadian subjects. Loyalists were people who lived in the 13 colonies but wanted to support the British as they believed in their system and wanted to remain citizens of Britain. But not many people really liked the idea of loyalism and the colonists really wanted to abolish the system and fight against them. Many people felt that their lives would be better off if the colonies remained under British rule. Some of these people did not believe they could go up against a British army, which was the strongest army at that point of time, and was basically committing suicide. Many loyalists had business entities set up in England and knew that English trade was essential to the economy. Many loyalists who lived around the colonies found themselves in constant danger in the hands of the Patriots because of the friction between the Patriots and the British. The loyalists were caught in the middle and were forced to relocate back to home or to move north to Canada. And this is quite hard because they had to leave everything they had set up behind. Loyalists who did not relocate joined the army to help fight for the British cause. After the war, the loyalists who stayed to fight were forced to migrate to Canada or to move back to England. Again, the same system as what had happened throughout the war. And this meant they had to give up virtually everything they had. In some cases, the British government tried to compensate for the losses of the loyalist individuals who had served in the revolution by giving back money, but not as much as they had lost. And they also tried freeing slaves who had fought for the British cause. The revolution set British, the British people quite far back as they had lost many troops and had lost what they had set up overseas. In conclusion, the American Revolution was not as revo, re, re, sorry, revolutionary as it seems. It brought many changes to America, but most of these changes were quite in, so insignificant. The two most important takeaways from the revolution were the changes brought in property rights and equality rights. Equality was still the most seismic change seen after the revolution as white men came to see that all of them were equal. Women and people of other races got equality rights hundreds of years later. But most changes the revolution brought were on a minuscule level. These small changes were the base that helped shape America into what it is today. The war is considered the base of the change in America. And that is why it is so significant to us, even in today's date. This really sums up the podcast. So thank you for joining me this segment. And I hope you can join me again in future segments in this series. Thank you. Have a good day.